Welcome to the 10th episode of the third season of the Sabermetrics podcast hosted by the Charging Buffalo. My name is Bill. Alongside me as always is Walt. Walt, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty good. Looking forward to talking about the Sabres tonight. Again. You, you mean yeah, again, again be, I guess. <laughs> because as you, if you didn't see on our Twitter, uh, yeah, a little bit of technical difficulties with me echoing the entire time. And it was just, it was frankly unbearable. Um, I just, I, I couldn't in good faith put that out there. And usually after podcasts, I'm like, oh man, I don't know about like how I did there and stuff like that. That was like one of the ones where I was like, that was good. That was good. And of course, you know, <laughs> of course it doesn't work out. So we are back. It's been a long time. I ended up moving back to Buffalo, and that took up a lot of time and stuff like that. Um, our last episode also was like right before the Damar Hamlin injury, and then like for a couple weeks there, it just didn't feel right. And then I ended up moving. So here we are, a couple weeks later. The Sabers are on their All Star break, so it seems like a pretty good time to get some stuff out. First, some non Saber stuff. The Damar Hamlin thing. It's great to see that he's doing much better. Um, we also saw Jesse Pagula. Uh, pen a, a letter to pretty much everyone that's been curious about Kim Pagula's uh, situation. Um, behind the scenes, you could hear things that it was it was really bad, but her kind of laying out exactly what happened is utterly terrifying. Um, I feel horrible for them. Um, you know, Terry's had to, to go out there in public and, and do all these things while I'm sure his mind is elsewhere. Um, and so I just wanted to, you know, put my two cents out there that I feel really bad for them, um, you know, this is this is much separate from owning sports franchises of our, our favorite sports teams, and this is just that's just really scary for an entire family. Um, I feel really bad for Jesse Bagula, who probably couldn't have been there because she was, you know, on tour. And if you haven't been able to watch Jesse Bagula play tennis, I suggest doing it. She's very good, and it's fun. She's really she is really really good, man. Um, I, I've enjoyed watching her and um, you can see like the progression of her getting into the top 10 and then she was ending up top three it was actually the third seed in the Australian Open. So um, before we get into any Sabre stuff, I just wanted to put it out there that, you know, my heart goes out to them. Um, Walter, do you have anything to add there? I know you pretty much you know echo my sentiments there. Yeah, I mean, definitely a pretty sad situation. And uh, I mean, I wish the best for their family and definitely something that goes beyond sports having something like that happen to Absolutely. someone that means a lot to the bills and sabers organization and someone that means a lot to their family for sure and you know from from what i can tell um she like she's well liked by the people she's you know very kind and open and uh generous with her time um so i just you know wanted to put that out there i've along with everyone else has been maybe critical times of them um when it comes to like the sports side of things but this is this is again way beyond it so wanted to give our condolences for um all the things that they've been through and continue to go through it sounds like she's fighting and, and progressively getting somewhat better um whatever that may mean um but again just wanted to to put that out there so let's talk about some a little bit more uplifting things like the Sabres. Uh, the last time we talked, you know, they were right before essentially that that good winning streak. And then there was a game against Carolina. But I um, wanted to get your two cents on what are some of the things you saw during the eight-game win streak that are sustainable? Because we've seen a 10-game win streak before, but like six of the games they won in overtime. So in the eight-game win streak, what did you see from the Sabres that's like, this is sustainable. You can see this for the rest of the season or going into next season. Like this is the Sabres identity. What were some of those things that you saw? I mean, I thought they definitely were better defensively at five on five. I feel like that was kind of 
one of the things I was holding them back earlier was really just trading off punches on the rush all the time. Uh, I mean, you'd see the Sabres get a great rush opportunity, then it turn to a great rush opportunity for the other team, and you'd pretty much just be relying on your goaltending to pull off a miracle. So I feel like now they're definitely playing hockey where they still have that rush offense, but they're not giving up as much defensively. I think overall they're just more of a net positive team at five on five. And I think that's something that they need to do in order to take that next step as a team. And it's something they've definitely been working on. I still don't think they're at that level where they could come in night in, night out and play a team like Carolina or Boston and Tampa and come out on top. But, I mean, for a team like Winnipeg, who's probably in the same weight class as the Sabres, the Sabres just absolutely crushed them at 5-on-5 five five that game. And something like that's just great to see. Okay, so let's, you know, that it was great to see. Eight-game winning streak, that's awesome. We were really hoping uh, that the Sabres were able to head into the All-Star break with a win. But they ended up losing to Carolina, and you were physically there. So I wanted to get your thought process of watching them live versus maybe watching them on TV. What did Carolina do that really stifled them? Um, And what can they do when a team figures out, okay, this is how we stop the Sabres? What can they do to counterbalance that? Yeah, I mean, well, I made sure to sit way up in the 300s for that game because I feel like when you're watching a team like Carolina, kind of the beauty in their game is just seeing it from up above and kind of just seeing how they set up like their traps and whatnot, how they prevent zone entries, which has been killing the Sabres this year. Uh, I think the top four teams at preventing zone entries are, I believe it's New Jersey, Seattle, Carolina. I forget who the fourth is. I think it's Toronto. And the Sabres are 0-7-0 against those teams this year. So any team that's effective at kind of neutralizing those rush chances has been crushing the Sabres this year. And that's Pretty much exactly what we saw with Carolina. I mean, Carolina really uses that third forward to even sit back with a defenseman and put three guys at the blue line to prevent an entry. I mean, their defenseman play up high. That third forward also is just waiting around in the neutral zone or even when the Sabres are trying to break the puck out and just creating trap doors and picking the passes off. I mean... Carolina, they're they're just masters at how they play the game, and it's a game that doesn't necessarily take much skill for guys to be effective. I mean, it's definitely more effective when they have skilled guys. We see a bunch of guys like Derek Stepan and guys late on in their career just having renaissance years in Carolina and really just guys that play Carolina style. I mean, it's really just get shots off from the point and get rebounds and been effective enough for them in the regular season. I mean, they've fallen short in the playoffs a few times, but I'm not sure if that's something you can completely blame on their system, but it's a system that still completely overwhelms uh, the Sabres team. Yeah, and for a rush-heavy team, that's that's what makes them exciting. You know, Don Granado's talked about it before. Yeah. We want this to be an exciting team. Well, you find a team that stops your your transition and and doesn't give you those you know back and forth track meet kind of games. I can see how you're oh seven and one or oh seven and zero against those teams. I mean, it's just you could see it. It, it was. It, like reminiscent of the Islanders a couple of years ago when we had to play them 17 times in the COVID year or like old Jersey teams. Yeah. Like, well, Tam Berdur is the best goalie ever. And it's like, yeah, he faced 16 shots last night. I don't want to hear it. Um, it it's just shutting them down those opportunities. And that's what the Sabres do best. Um, there was, oh, was it against Winnipeg? I believe so, where they had that 
insane movement passing play that ended up with uh, Thompson scoring. I'm not sure, but it, it, it made its rounds on the internet. Um, a little bit too far out for me to remember at this point. Um, but that's just, yeah, that's exactly what I saw from Carolina as well. And there is a beauty to it, but it's also not the most fun to watch too. So, hey, Carolina got the win. That's big for them. I think w- referring to Carolina or these better teams, we mentioned it on the unreleased episode. Are players like Olafson, Middlestat, Yoki Haru? I don't want to lump Bryson in there because I really do think he's playing some of the best hockey he's played all season, but do they get exposed by those teams? And not to say that they they there's no way they can keep up and stuff like that, but there have been times this year where you can kind of see a little bit of drop-off with the Sabres in that sense. Um, again, all of these players are good players. They work incredibly hard. I know that's a prerequisite, but they work incredibly hard out there, and, and they are trying their very best. But there have been times where you look at them and you're like, oof, yeah, you might have you might have been exposed there. Um, I will say Casey Middlestad, after an injury-riddled season, he's playing a lot better this season. There are certain times where it can be frustrating, but I will lump him in with Yoki Haru and Olofsson. Do better teams expose players like that? Or is it maybe we're just kind of cherry-picking on some guys that we you know aren't playing their best and we're just really pounding them to to oblivion here? I mean, I really think it just mainly boils down to the team as a whole needing to be better. Because I think like when they played Carolina, I don't think really anyone was good that game. I feel like the yeah, best line fine. that game was actually the line with Krebs on it. So I know so a lot of those guys have some shortcomings in their game. Like Yoki Haru, I don't know if he's like advanced enough thinking the offensive zone to play with a guy like Power, middle stat. It works harder than anyone on the ice, but he's a bit limited with his feet, uh, just with his upright skating yep. s- strides. And, I mean, there's definitely limitation with those guys, but I-, I think for this team to take the next step, I think everyone has to. And some guys, like, actually can't really just because their age. I mean, obviously they can because there has been 21-year-olds who have taken that next step, but it's extremely rare. So... I think when you see guys like Quinn and Paterka starting these games, I mean, that's pretty much expected for their age. I mean, they've yeah. been great in a bunch of other games. So I, I think it definitely just boils down to a team thing. I think the entire team needs to be better in these games, and I think that's going to come with time. But as of now, they're still a very young team. They're still way overperforming their expectations for this season, and I think they're definitely on the right track, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're in that cup contender status yet. I mean, I feel like that's probably a common thought among everyone, but I know on Twitter, anytime I try reminding people that they're average, you get people from both sides, the ones that think they're really good being like, oh, these guys are really good, and the ones that think they're awful being like, oh, no, these guys are horrible. So they're right in the middle. I mean, they're literally right in the middle of the pack of NHL teams, and Average team is good enough to get in the playoffs in a lot of situations. Yeah, the NHL is a little interesting like that. And, I mean, an average team for being the youngest average team is very good. Yeah, um, I'm not trying to single out those three the players. The lowest cap hit in the league, too. Lowest cap hit in the league. I was just looking. Cap we have to remember, they're paying Ben Bishop almost, what is it, five? Almost $5 million this year. They're going to yeah. have it freed up next year. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be taken up, and yeah. we will be talking about it in a second. But it's going to be taken up by other players. Um, and I do want to reiterate, I wasn't trying to 
you know, really bash those three that I mentioned. It just seems like there are certain times where you look on the ice and you're like, oh boy. I mean, no one else on the team is immune to mistakes. That, that, that everyone makes them. Um, so I, I do want to to note that I'm not just cherry picking these guys and just like, nope, don't like these guys. Just going to uh, pound them into oblivion, as like I said before. Um, but yeah, I think it is more of a, and, and one player doesn't make or break a team. It's kind of like we saw with Jack Eichel. Like he's not going to rise Jack his Johnson. Team. Yeah, okay. Cup champion. yeah, fair enough. But you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like it's not going to be one of those situations where like this one player cost them the, the game specifically. And yeah, you, you ask anyone in that locker room, even if someone makes a mistake like that, they're going to be like, yeah, maybe you made a mistake, but we could have done blank, blank, and blank better earlier in the game. So we weren't even in that position. So that is something that with a good foundation um, and a good culture with the team, none of those guys are going to feel uncomfortable if they make a poor play because all of them are going to come out and say, look, yeah, he might've made a mistake, but we're, he's our brother. And, you know, we're going to be able to, to move past this. And we could have done things to improve our position where that wasn't even a factor. So that's just the way it goes. Moving on to some, some really fun news. Dylan Cousins signs long-term. This means Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins, your presumably top two centers. I mean, obviously Tage is your top center. Everyone assumes Dylan Cousins will be the second-line center for years to come, I, me included. They are now combined $14.2 million and some change. And some change just because Tage has a little bit of an interesting contract. It's like $4.145728 something. Um but what are your initial thoughts on Dylan Cousins? Seven years, $7.1 million uh, average. There are people saying this is a complete steal. There are people saying this is a complete, you know, overpay. I know we're probably somewhere in the middle, but my first reaction was, look, this is most likely your lockdown center, you know, your matchup center. He's going to take on the other team's best line. And he has a probably a better offensive upside than most matchup centers besides, what, Patrice Bergeron, uh, maybe a few others that are just escaping me right now. I'm not exactly sure on every single team's shutdown center and how they use them. But, I mean, I personally think this is a very good commitment. It's a very good contract for both the player and the team. Because as of right now, yeah, I mean, he's maybe not playing at a $7.1 million clip. I think by next year, the year after, you're going to be like, okay, yep, yep, definitely a good contract. So I know we're probably right in the middle, but just wanted to get your initial thoughts. And, and you know, it's been, a what, 24-ish hours. You let it marinate a little bit. What were your thoughts now today? And have they differed at all, or, or are you pretty much sticking with what you initially thought? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's a steal, especially when you compare it to the Tage Thompson contract. I know Tage had a few less RFA years in his seven-year deal, but, I mean, he was producing at the same rate as Cousins is now at the time when he signed that contract. And Tage was also an older player by about three years, mm -hmm. and he was also a lot more unproven because he just had that one breakout year. Cousins, three years younger, uh, he's been an upward trajectory each year in his league so far, and there's really not a lot of guys that are at his age that produce like he does that don't continue that upward trajectory. And, I mean, he just brings so much to the table for the Sabres team. I mean, he's kind of the key man behind that Sabres rush offense renaissance. I think he's, like, right up there with guys like Owen Power and Darlene and kind of turning up that rush offense throughout the lineup outside of just the top line this year. And, I mean, he's just going to be a really good player. And the fact that you could sign him for that 
I, I feel like is just a really good deal. I mean, I don't think you can get much better than that. And I mean, maybe you may want that eighth year, but I mean, I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah. I think it's just a fantastic contract and I think it's a great piece of work by the Sabres organization. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're continuing the trend of betting on their young players, which is something that I personally advocate for. Yeah. Sometimes you're going to get burnt, but I mean, Dylan Cousins is one of those players that even if he's not producing, he's still producing in other ways. He's not one dimensional in that sense. Um, I did mention, I think uh, yesterday on Twitter, I saw something about like his defensive um, analytics aren't great, but we have to remember um, that JJ Paterka and Jack Quinn are on his wings and they're just, they're young players and young players struggle more defensively. And frankly, like, I don't think they're even that bad. Like, I don't notice them every single game. Like, oh my God, these guys are brutal offensively. You have to score two goals a game just to make up for your lack of defense. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I yeah, can, yeah, I, I mean, can I, certainly I see how like, this, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, was gonna, I mean, it's like a net impact game at the end of the day, and I feel like their rush offense has been so good that yeah. naturally you're going to give up some defensively, but I feel like you're still having that positive impact out there at that age with those three guys, I've, I'll still take it. And it will only get better is at least what you know my, my thought process is. So I don't know. I think it's a really good extension. I don't think there's anything else that we can really say besides good job to Kevin Adams. Um, I mean, I guess I was going to say the one thing I could see – derailing this contract is injury but that that goes for everyone you know and i just the people that are saying this is an overpay it's like you just really showed your colors man because you don't watch the sabers you just don't you just don't and just admit it just admit it be like hey i don't really watch the sabers but i mean i would think this is an overpay and just hey you want to elite elite prospects you saw his point production (laughs) You might have might have taken a gander at his age, but that's about it, man. It's just, and he's one of those guys. Whether whether you think this belongs in hockey or not, he's one of those guys that will drop the gloves. He will protect his teammates. You look at the end of the day, you still need that, but you need it with a player that is useful. That is his sole reason isn't out there to just go fight people, because that's obviously gone. There's no Marty McSwirleys in the league anymore. So you have Dylan Cousins who's willing to do that and he can produce. I mean, $7.1 million a year for the next seven years after this season, sign me up. Big fan of it. Big fan of the the signing there. So, man, there's a lot we can get to. Let's let's do a couple things that have already happened in the past. Uh, Your boy, Lucas Rusek, maybe wasn't the first choice, but replaced Brandon Byro at the – AHL All-Star Game. Just wanted you to comment because that's your boy. If Linus Weisbach, you know, made it, I'd be losing my mind. So this is your time to uh, to gloat about your love for Lucas Rusek. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely cool to see him there, and he's 100% a player I hope is on the actual Sabres roster next season. I mean, the fact that he was the Rochester's second choice to go there behind Brandon Byro, who's having an incredible season, I think that kind of speaks volumes to how they think of a guy like Lucas Rusek and his production there may not really jump off the page too much for someone his age, but he's just a guy that plays with a ton of energy and kind of has an underrated playmaking game. Thought he had a great preseason for the Sabres too. So I think he's a guy that could have an NHL role down the line. Uh, definitely 
more of a bottom six role, but an NHL role nonetheless. Absolutely. I think, frankly, I don't know if he's a lefty or a righty. That's a good question. Um, but I, I, I could see him taking one of Giergensen's or Opozo's spots there on the fourth line. And my under, my thought process is Peyton Krebs is going to bump up to the third line as a center. And then you have Tyson Jost, hopefully, which um, the he is an RFA after this season. And I will say I am in full support of signing him. I thought it was a great waiver claim. Um, and so I'm, I think he, I think he's earned another year or two with the Sabres. If, if they can work something out, he does have arbitration rights, but yeah, I think Lucas Rusek is someone to keep your eye on for the bottom six, because at the end of the day, it's all fine and dandy to have Yuri Kulik tearing it up and yeah, he's going to be a top six forward or Isaac Rosine, who we assume at some point is going to start tearing it up too. He might just need a little bit more time because he's 150 pounds soaking wet. Um, I mean, that's just that's just something to keep your eye on because there's four lines rolling out there. Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins and Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner, Quinn and Paterka. They can only play so many times. You need effective players out there in your third and fourth line. So I'm in full support of uh, bringing up Lucas Rusek even this year. If some guy goes down, give him a shot. I mean, you already have Henestrosa and, and Bjork down there. You call him up, you're going to have to send him back through waivers again. So maybe call up someone like Ru- Lucas Rusek. So... That's kind of where I'm at. If Especially, someone takes, if someone takes Andres Bjork, I'll, I'll eat a shoe. Oh God, we're not doing this again. What was it? <laughs> they Eagle pick Little? him up on waivers. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just, I, th- I think he's a great person too. He seems like an awesome guy, and he, you know, lives yeah, his, day. his game fell off so much though. Oh, I feel just, like that's, I don't even know how it's even possible, but it was unfortunate. I just, <laughs> yeah, another system, another team, another opportunity. You know, I'm sure it'll work out for him, but uh, yeah, it's pretty much over here. In Europe, probably. Probably yeah. like, like Kazakhstan or something. Yeah, he's going to tear it up in the French 2 league. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, I had a note here about Tage's injury. I made this a, that a while ago. Seems like he's all good. I haven't seen anything. He's throwing bombs on the beach to his boys running down the running down the sand. So I think oh, he's yeah. all right. <laughs> um, it's good to see them down there. You know, the boys going to Bahamas and uh, and having a good time. And um, Darlene joined them after the All-Star game. So, you know, it was good to see him uh, get some get some playing time there. They ended up winning. The Atlantic division ended up winning. So they split up a million bucks. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts about the all-star game? Uh, I mean, I personally didn't watch it cause I just feel like it's a horrible event every year. Just in terms of like entertainment value. I just find like, I mean the skills competition, I feel like that's always, it's kind of fun once in a while, but I heard a lot of negative reviews this year, kind of like the time in between events and how like chaotic it was. They would do like a round of fastest skater or like whatever, and then they're like, okay, we're going to accuracy shooting or whatever. Well, I don't know what the order was. And you're just like, wait, you're not going to finish the event? So they essentially wanted you yeah. to stick around <laughs> till the end when they finished all the events. And it's just like, I, I, I stopped watching after a little bit, and it was like three and a half hours later or something like that. And they're like, yeah, it, like I still was seeing tweets about it. Like, oh my God, how is this still going on? So, I don't know. I'm not an all-star person. I've never watched the Pro Bowl. I, the most I watch is, like, the Home Run Derby, just because guys are hitting Yeah, I feel like That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. I feel like the Home Run Derby, and I love the NBA skills competition. Like, I love the dunk contest, the three-point yeah. contest. I'll always watch those. But, I mean, the dunk contest hasn't been yeah, hasn't as been good recently because I feel like they haven't gotten the biggest names. But, no. Like Levine and Gordon, that was so much fun. That was and great. Before yeah. that, like 
Nate Robinson and Dwight Howard. That yeah. would always be incredible. So yeah, and it the, yeah, like oh man, I remember watching a video of just like guys just like consistently missing their dunks. It was like the worst dunk contest ever, or whatever. I don't remember who put it out, but it was <laughs> yeah. everyone in the stands was just like, oh, is this really what we paid all this money for? So yeah, I don't know. That's pretty. Oh, here's one thing about the Carolina game. Heard some chatter about hey. There's only 14,000 fans here. What the hell is going on? I want to put my two cents in. Is one, it's a Wednesday night at 7.30, not just 7, 7.30. And it takes a while, man. Like, if you stay till the end of the game, you have to be prepared to sit in traffic for 45 minutes. That game ends, what, around 10 p.m.? Yeah. Like, what do you think? A bunch of kids are going to go to that? It was very cold that night. It's Buffalo. I don't really, you know, give them that much of a cop-out. But it was pretty dang cold that night and windy. 7.30 start on a Wednesday I'm not that worried about it because I'm someone, and we discussed this before, but I'm someone that says, like, the fans will come, but the performance has to be there and be there consistently before the fans really start showing up for Wednesday night games at 730. I just, just, I don't know. Some of the people that were making a huge deal of it and stuff like that, I, I just calm down. You yeah, know? those people probably weren't even there either. So <laughs> I think <laughs> like if I think you weren't there, I feel like you can't talk about how bad the attendance is. <laughs> I think uh, I think our boy MH might have said something about it. I'm not sure. Or if, oh if, yeah. I don't want to just say it was him. Oh I, no, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't no, know I for sure. I saw that with. Uh, I don't know. No, for it, sure. it was okay. It was him and uh, Jeremy from WGR. Oh, that's started, like, right, whole, Radio Boy. That was pretty. Oh, sorry, Radio Jeremy. Boy. That was funny. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. That was funny. <laughs> that was funny. I don't. I don't know what to tell you. You know, sometimes if you hit, you hit. But yeah, it's just. You, I, I understand that the team has earned it to this point, but still there's a lot of season to go. Still a lot of season to go. And, man, it's just it, it just takes some time. You know what I mean? It takes some time for fans to come back in. It's not going to be immediate, oh, this, the team's finally doing better. Okay, this place is going to fill up every single night. It's just not realistic. Sorry. Um I think yeah. the boys, they, I mean, they, I, they deserve a good crowd there. And frankly, 14,000 fans in Buffalo, I'll take that over a full barn in St. Louis. I don't know. Sorry, St. Louis. I didn't mean to call you out like that, but I hate Jordan Bennington. So um, it just, you know, that's, it, it, it's coming, you know. And now that I've moved back to Buffalo, I plan on going to some more games as well. Um, we already have another one on the docket from – we saw the Anaheim game live. That was sweet. That was Dylan Cousins on full display. Um, and we're going to a one, I think later this month too. So, I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're getting out there and we're, you know, trying to support and I feel like other people will do the same. Um, just Wednesday night, cold Wednesday night at seven 30 is, you know, not prime time, you know, Saturday, Friday, Saturday night. I'm sure the place will be jamming. Yeah. I mean, you get those Saturday afternoon games in like March, April, with good weather, <laughs> Sabres still in the playoff hunt a few blue lights before the game at the <laughs> Labatt house. I mean, that's when the vibes start coming along. Exactly. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like the, what was it? Uh, I guess it was last week. So it was like, it was, it was literally a week ago. It was February 1st, you know, like, eh. like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, it just, eh. they didn't sell out the barn. It's okay. It's not going to happen every game. You know, it will. Once this team next year, the year after, if they continue to progress like we think they will, 100% it will. But also people were mentioning ticket prices were just too high. They were like, look, sorry, it's just not worth it yet. Which, 
I don't know, man. Like you're if you if you go to an NHL game in Buffalo, New York, you're never going to be able to get a ticket anywhere else for the same price. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Not yeah, even I Arizona. Think people not are way Arizona. too used to those. Yeah. People are way too used to, like, uh, back when they had more season ticket holders and the team stunk, like, people would try to offload their tickets for cheap. Yeah. I mean, when you're buying tickets directly from the Sabres, you're not going to be getting $5 tickets. Like, the Sabres aren't going to sell those seats for $5. No. No, they're not. I mean, it's just, it's the simple fact of whenever you get, how do I want to say this? Whenever you get just accustomed to the, I don't know, like the people, like I, I, I have friends. Okay, let's just say this. I have friends that would go to games simply because they were that cheap. They don't care about hockey at all, but it was a yeah. night out because they were that cheap. And so it's just, it takes a little bit for people to get their mindset out of that. You know what I mean? Like everyone wants to save money, but still have fun kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I'm not trying to cop out for the people that say like, it's, it's too expensive because go try to get a ticket in, in Montreal, in, in Toronto, in New York, try to go get a ticket for MSG. You're paying triple quadruple what you're paying in Buffalo, but that doesn't take away from the fact that People will go to it. If you sell super cheap tickets, people will go just because. You know what I mean? So, like, that's that's kind of where I'm at is you're kind of phasing people out of that, the the people that really don't care about the game, but they, yeah, they'll go out for a night on the town and because it was cheap. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I, I think it's a little much for people to complain that it's not a full barn, and I think it's a little much for people to complain that the prices are too high. Um at the same time, it is a small town team and, you know, if people aren't willing to pay, they aren't willing to pay. And, you know, sometimes the Sabres are going to have to look at their demographic and be like, look, I mean, might need to lower these five, ten bucks and, and really fill out this place. So as long as they don't do the thing where the Senators did. They'll never they do like, that. Well yeah. well, yeah, they're never going to do that. But as long as they don't start, like, blocking out sections of the arena or, like, literally taking seats out because they couldn't fill – Ottawa couldn't fill their stadium – in the playoffs, like deep into the playoffs, it was that year I think Carlson went off with a broken foot. Like he was, he scored like fifty-five points in three games yeah. because he had and he had a broken forgot foot. about that run. I I forgot about it too, but it just jogged my memory that dude they literally had trouble filling their stadium in the playoffs. That's wild. And look, I mean there have been some empty barns at the Sabers too, but. They were also like the worst team in the league for many, many years. So it's 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 a tough comparison to try to make. So, look, I think the Buffalo Sabres are in a good spot when it comes to their fandom. A lot of people are itching for this team to be good. And once you get that sustained success, it's proven. Maybe they make the playoffs this year. Maybe they don't. But then they start off out the gates next year, and it's and it's fun, and it's exciting, and they're doing very well. And it's like, okay, this is – okay, this might be it. You're going to see a bunch of those people that were paying the 10 bucks. They're like, yeah, I just want to go go to, you know, whatever. They'll start paying that money because it is so exciting. At least that's my under, at least that's my thought process towards it. I could be totally off. I'm not totally in tune with how people are thinking when it comes to ticket prices. I'm more of a watch it on TV person anyway. I'm not much. I don't go to Bills games all that much. You know, starting to go to Sabres games a little bit more, but that's just kind of my personality. But that that's my two cents on it. I didn't want to get too deep into it, even though, feels like we already have but fans will be there 
So anyone saying, you know, like shame on the fans or whatever, it's like, shut up, shut up. They've been through enough. You know, you don't need to start shaming them because they didn't show up on a Wednesday night. Um, but at the same time, don't complain that the prices are too high just because let's put it in a comparison to everywhere else. And well, yeah, but the, the, the building's falling apart and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, okay, well, you're still watching NHL hockey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the building needs upgrades. Sure. Don't disagree with you there, but you're still watching NHL hockey and you're watching a good, you're, it's not like you're watching one good team. You're watching the Sabres be good. I used to get super cheap tickets when, <laughs> back in college, when I would like drive up from Bonaventure, I would get like super cheap tickets when they're playing like the Florida Panthers because both teams sucked. Like I was paying double for parking than I was for the tickets. And so like, it's just when the Sabres are better, the, the prices are going to go up. It's just the way it is. And I mean, who else knows their team better than the people that are in the building every single day watching the results saying like, Hey, we have a good team here. Like, you know, here's our set ticket prices. Do you have any kind of comments on, on what I've been spieling about here? I don't know. I'm not trying to like talk down to anyone that's saying they're too expensive either. Like if you can't, if you think they're too expensive, that's, they, they are too expensive for you. Totally fine. Totally fair. But I just, you know, wanted to put that out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Sabres definitely need to do a better job with ticket sales. I mean, I'm also a big Cleveland Cavaliers fan, so I go down there for a game every once in a while. And for them, it's it's really not too difficult to find, like, flash sales. We'll do, like, 50% off seats. They have these crazy Black Friday sales. Like, you could literally buy tickets for, like, $5. I just don't understand why the Sabres can't do something like that. I mean, because it's definitely not against... And maybe there's something in the league where they have to charge a certain amount, but I don't see how they can't do a sale. Cause I mean, empty seats and empty seat. Why not just get like the $10 or whatever? It's that's, I mean, that's I'm not too in tune with the economics of it, but (laughs) yeah, I'm not in tune with it either. And there's probably two schools of thought. It's look, we're going to keep our price. We're going to, and that's just what it is. And we are going to, whoever shows up, shows up. And then there's the thought process of we can do those flash sales or whatever, get butts and seats, but maybe people aren't buying tickets knowing that if you wait for the flash sale, you're just going to get them cheap anyway. And if they, let's say they don't do a flash sale or it's not as you know much of a discount that as these people want or whatever, then you're really not going to have anyone showing up. So it's just kind of like that, that balancing act. I don't know anything about ticket sales or anything like that, but there's our two cents on that topic. Another topic that we're going to put our two cents in on is all the rumors of the Sabres trading for people. Um, I just want to put it out there that it bothers the crap out of me when the Sabres get linked to like Eric Carlson because they have the cap space. It's like, why? That doesn't make sense for the Sabres. Just because they have the cap space doesn't mean that they should be like, I'm really looking at the Sabres for this. Oh, are you Craig Button? Are you really? I just that famous what, insider Craig Button. <laughs> I just I don't understand it. You're just you're going on to cap friendly, friendly, and you're seeing who has the most cap space, and you're looking at teams that could offload big contracts. I think we've seen with Kevin Adams that he's not willing to do that. He's very very much in tune with his. We are staying the course. If we find someone that we really genuinely believe can fit into our system and into our culture, like a Tyson Jost. I mean, he'll pull the trigger there, but let's let's start rattling off some names. Let's go most recent to 
send it back last night. <sighs> Fan-sided from Chicago. What was it? J.J. Paterka. The Sabres 2023 first-round pick. And I believe a second second-round pick as well in 2023 from the Sabres for Patrick Kane. Uh, that's going to be a note for me, dog. What about you, Walt? What do you say to, to anyone thinking that the Sabres would give up someone like J.J. Paterka and a first-round pick and a second-round pick because this is Patrick Kane and he's a consistent scorer? What, do you, what would you say to those people? Uh, I mean, you probably get the guy for free next year. I do think he's probably a better player than Paterka right this instant. In the future, definitely not, because Kane will be out of the league in a few years while Paterka is just starting his career, and you're also taking on some major money to close out this year. And, I mean, he's going to be a free agent next year unless whoever trades for him resigns him. But the cup contender somehow trades for him with, like, LTIR space or something, they're going to have a very hard time resigning him for the next few years. So if a team like the Sabres really wanted him, I just can't see them making that trade also i feel like he's just a horrible fit on the sabers team and where they're at and their goals i mean if you're a rebuilding team the last thing you probably want to do is get like a kind of veteran that's only impactful on the offensive side of things uh who's trying to chase down one more stanley cup ring i mean when you rush yourself into that timeline, you get like the Taylor Hall year in Buffalo. You get the Taylor Hall year. You get trades for Evander Kane and Zach Bogosian and Robin Leonard. And you're like, okay, well, we're going to match you up with this 18-year-old and this 19-year-old and Eichel and Reinhardt. And we're going to, you know, accelerate the crap out of this. And whoops, the wheels fell off. I mean, I just... Uh... Yeah, I, I, I don't, it just I don't doesn't make much it. sense. It, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's a cap space thing. Oh, the Sabres have a lot of cap space. Oh, Patrick Kane's from Buffalo. Perfect fit. Uh, he hasn't yeah. had the best history here in Buffalo. I mean, people just don't want him here. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they don't. I mean, I don't even, has he been coming back here at all? No, I mean, pretty, he Chicago, like... Chicago prevented him from coming back here in the off seasons. They stopped him. Yeah, after he used after to do the like allegation. Summer leagues here and... Yeah, after the allegation, which again, it was just an allegation. He was you know, proven, I don't even want to say like proven not guilty. And it sounds like the, the woman involved was a little, like, I think her, her mom kind of, like, I, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to rehash it. But again, he didn't, he wasn't convicted or whatever of anything, but he was accused of some not great stuff. And I mean, unfortunately, the taxi cab driver. Yeah. That's the bigger one with me, frankly, it's, because it's such a, I mean, it's all when he was, a little bit younger, but at yeah. the same time, like it's just and it's the fact all the stuff that happened with like the sexual assault and stuff in the Blackhawks organization and yeah, all those supposed leaders on the that team, none of them spoke out about it. I mean, quote unquote leaders. I, I have, feel like that's there's a, there's questionable a, everywhere. There's a certain player from that team who's no longer with the team, but still in the NHL, who I think was a main culprit of causing those issues. Not, maybe not causing those issues, but remember when Kyle Beach came out and said, like, guys at practice were literally heckling me over this. I yeah, can't. No, I, can't I, mean, I, I wouldn't want anyone confirm. from that team. No, absolutely not. But there is a certain defenseman who I think um, wasn't exactly apologetic or cooperative when they were trying to look into this. That says a lot, man. Like, you might be you might be completely innocent. You might have not done anything, but if you act that way, people are automatically going to assume you're guilty of something. 
I'm not going to say names. I don't really want to rehash that because it's such a terrible situation for for now a, a grown man to have to live through every single day. But yeah, I don't I don't want Patrick Kane. I don't want Jonathan Taves. I don't want any of them. Like I said a couple weeks ago when they played Chicago, unfortunately lost. That was very frustrating. I want to beat them 30 to nothing. I want it to be 15 nothing after the first period for the next 15 years against them. I have no sympathy for the Chicago Blackhawks, and I used to be a fan of them. I really did. I really liked Kane. I really liked Taves, Keith, Seabrook. I liked everything that was going on there. Classic jerseys, classic team, American City of Chicago. Now I'm like, if you guys never win another game, I couldn't be happier. Well, it's bad for the NHL. They're bad for the NHL. What you did to that man was bad for the NHL. So, sorry, I'm getting a little worked up here. I don't want to get into it, but Patrick Kane, get the hell away from my hockey team. I just, I I hope to God Kevin Adams feels the same way. Someone that's a little bit more likely, but again, I'm skeptical. Timo Meyer, San Jose Sharks. He's on pace for a bazillion goals this year, just like a couple few guys on the Sabres as well. What are your thought process? What's your thought process when you see the Sabres linked to him? Because frankly, I mean, if I had to choose between Meyer and Kane, easy, easy answer. But I do have my own thoughts on it, but I'm going to let you start this off. So Timo Meyer linked with the Buffalo Sabres in a sense, or a few other teams as well. But what do you think of, uh, you know, spending some assets and, and bringing him in and then obviously having to give him a pretty hefty contract? I mean, I think he's a great player. I definitely consider if I was a Sabres, I'm 99% sure there's no chance they're going to pay the price it takes to get him. I feel like he's definitely going to go elsewhere. But, I mean, he's a player I'd take, but he's just not someone I could all... I feel like he's also in that same boat where, I mean, I guess now they have the Cousins contract down, but you have that huge Darlene contract coming up this offseason. Just wait for all power, too. get that power contract done. Yeah, so it's like, do you want to dedicate that much money to a guy now who's not even a part of your current core? Uh, I I personally just can't see it with just the way the front office has been acting throughout this rebuild. I mean, it's a move I'd consider, but Sarah's has some good prospects. But if you look at a team like New Jersey, who he's been really linked with, I mean, obviously you have the Swiss connections there with Siegenthaler and Nico Heeshier. Mm-hmm. You have just the assets that New Jersey has, which are pretty insane for a team that's already one of the better teams in the NHL. You have a prospect pool where you have Luke Hughes, like Seaman Nemitz, and then you also have Alex Holtz, who a lot of people forget about. I mean, he's kind of been buried in that Devils lineup. He's had fantastic AHL production. I mean, AHL production is right up there with Quinn and Paterka last season. Yep. So he's a guy that's probably readily available for New Jersey, and I think that's pretty much an automatic trump card to any prospect the Sabres would have available, maybe outside of Savoy. But I also can't see them parting with Savoy in a Timo Meyer deal unless you obviously have a contract agreed upon. I think the thing some people are saying is, well, they have so many prospects and they have so many draft picks. You can't possibly sign all these players. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But what happens if you keep on to guys that don't pan out and guys that you trade away do? Especially guys that are real young, your Isaac Rosines, your Matt Savoy. You just drafted drafted him less than twelve months ago. You know other guys in the draft before them. I just 
it seems like a leap that they aren't going to make in the season. If they were going to do something like this, I it's the earliest it's going to be is this summer. I think they really want to see yeah. what, what this team can do with themselves. And this doesn't mean don't make any trades, but I think Kevin Adams is probably thinking maybe along the same lines of like, we got to see what we have prospect pool wise, because in the next year or two, guys that we trade away could be blossoming and really helping us out. And the guys that we held on to haven't panned out the way we thought like prospects are great projection wise. And like, this is who he can be. But until you actually see some kind of evidence that, okay, he's actually going to be like this. I'd be a little hesitant to start shipping off all these prospects too. Are we going to get upset when they might not be able to sign one and he has to walk free? Yeah, sure. But I just, I don't see it. If It just reeks too much of trading for, like I said, Bogosian, Kane, Leonard. I am not against improving this team. I just don't think this is the deal for them. Like you said, New Jersey probably has a more attractive offer to them. And I think Kevin Adams, he's been very adamant about sticking to the course. And this is diverting from the course that they have set forth. They're probably in sh- good shape. Well, again, they're going to be shading, or shape, shading, shaving about $5 million from that Ben Bishop contract. If you really want someone, if you really want Patrick Kane, I don't want him, but get him in the offseason. Like, if you're spending assets just for a guy and then you have to give him a massive contract, that's tough. That's tough especially with those contracts coming up with Darlene and Power. Decent segue. Owen Power is a freak. I mean, holy crap. I knew he was good. I knew he was good. I was worried about some foot speed and just the processing, you know, just of the NHL. I didn't, I wasn't worried about his ability to process the game, but so quickly. He's a rookie. And he's, he. when was the last time he's re- tr- truly made a, oh, dude, Dude, that's a bad play. I I can count them on maybe one or two fingers. Maybe. I mean, he is absolutely insane. And I said this on the last podcast. I'm saying it again. I think he's a nerd in the best possible way. Like, I think all he cares about is being incredibly good at hockey. And I feel like he's one of those guys that just watches a ton of film on himself, on other players. I think he's just a nerd. And this is coming from a nerd. Like he is, I think he is a, a, a lot more cerebral and a lot more dedicated to that side of the game than we even realize. I don't remember who put together the article, but, it, and, and I kind of got it secondhand, but my understanding of it was even in college guys were like, Hey man, we're going out to a party on Friday. He's like, cool. I'll be here watching film. I don't know if that's true. I, I but I, the, the source that told me I very much trust who, just is able to read a little bit more than I am. I mean, and the thing is, is that's believable. He just strikes me as that one of those guys. Like he's not flashy in any sense, whether it's on the ice or off the ice. He's just, I don't, he's just the perfect player for Buffalo. He's quiet. He's cool. He's incredibly good. And just wait for him to put on some, some of that muscle, some of that Tage Thompson. I'm super tall. I have this lanky frame just he puts on that grown man muscle that you just naturally get when you get older the same thing with Quinn and Paterka and some of these other guys too and cousins frankly I mean when they when they actually mature into those bodies holy crap I mean just imagine 
Owen Power has stronger arms, stronger forearms, and he's snapping wristers twice the speed of what he can now. I mean, it's just the 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 ceiling for him. I thought the ceiling wasn't as high as it really is. Frankly, he's just insane. I mean, I'm just and and it helps that he's a person that I genuinely like and I feel like I could hang out with. You know what I mean? I would grab a beer with pretty much any of these Sabres players. In years past, there's a couple guys where you're like, oh, I would not do that. I wouldn't. So, like, what, what's your thoughts yeah. just on Owen Power in general? We'll start talking, since we have some of the, you know, we talked about extensions for Cousins and stuff like that on our, you know, now-deleted podcast. So, let's talk about Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin, extensions for them as well. So, your thoughts on Owen Power his entire demeanor on and off the ice, you know, what he brings to the Sabres this year, plus years going forward, just the whole shebang. What do you got? I mean, yeah, I mean, he really can't get much better offensively than he's been. He can maybe get more individual points, which would help himself get a better contract. But in terms of helping the Sabres, I mean, he really can't do much more offensively than he's been doing this year. I mean, a lot of the sequences start with great plays by him. Uh, I mean, he could maybe get a little bit more aggressive pushing the puck up ice quicker. But other than that, I mean, you see his brilliance in the offensive zone, how he moves the pucks, how he's pretty much available in every spot in that offensive zone, just creating offense. I mean, the fact you're seeing that from a young player is really just incredible. And he's just such a talented hockey player. I feel like he's definitely every bit of what the Sabres thought they were getting when they drafted him. And the fact that they have... Power and Darlene on two separate pairs for hopefully the next decade. I, I think that's just a great thing to have. Absolutely. And I will say when it comes to these young players, there's going to be a switch after this break, it feels, at least to me. And this is just a prediction, but it, it, it's rooted in some historic, just kind of what we know with the, the NHL one. They're going to have a lot more in-division games. We're going to be seeing the Bruins a little bit more, the Lightning. I'm just looking at their schedule now. They see the they go to the Panthers, see the Maple Leafs, Lightning, bunch there. They you know they play one game at home against the Flames uh, this coming weekend on Saturday. Then they head out west for three games. They come back. It's Toronto, Tampa, Florida. And then you have the Capitals. The Blue Jackets you should win. Then you have the Bruins the Lightning, and then you finally have Oilers, Islanders, Stars, Rangers, and then it goes right back to Toronto, and I'm already into like middle of March at this point. Something to be aware of is it starts to get a little bit tougher to get the – it turns into a little bit more of playoff hockey. I'm very I'm very much someone that's like the rule book's the rule book. Don't throw it out the window during the playoffs, but you're starting to now play divisional games against some very, very good teams. I, I, One can argue that the Atlantic is the best team or best uh, division, I almost said conference, best division in the NHL. It's it's going to be tougher for them. They might not get as many calls. You know, Guys might be holding them a little bit more. It's going to get rougher, and it's going to be tighter games. Can they win those games? I think this coming two months and a half, two months and some change, is really going to tell you, okay, is this team actually built that they can see results in the playoffs? Because at the end of the day, like the goal for any this year for sure, get to the playoffs. Hundred percent. That's your goal. You you hit that, you're good. After that, every team is trying to win the Stanley Cup. 
you know, just making the playoffs for most teams is is not enough. And frankly, if the Sabres make it this year, or even if they don't, next year the expectation is going to be playoffs. So now they have to show us what can you do when things get tighter and the games aren't getting called a little bit looser in a sense. Games getting tighter because the calls are looser. I know it's kind of a an interesting concept, but watch watch the next couple months and you'll you'll see it's not the same. They're not calling all these ticky tack calls as as often as they did before. So do you agree with that, Walt? And do you think the Sabres have the capability of withstanding games like that? And and it's not just, oh, that one game in Washington, man, they, they really you know put their whistles in their pockets. It's going to be every night. So what, what are you, what's your thought process on that? You think I'm barking up the right tree or feel free to disagree? Uh, I mean, I can maybe see it a little bit, but I think the NHL is a league where you can either stop the offense or you can't. I mean, teams could try to play as hard or aggressive as they can, but if they don't have the right personnel or tactics to stop, like a Carolina or New Jersey, I just don't think they'll be able to, especially with how the Sabres play with their speed, their skill. I mean, you got that Thompson line, you got that Cousins line. You have those two lines coming at you each game and the bottom six coming along. I think the Sabres are perfectly capable of beating any team in the NHL outside of maybe like the top few teams that they've been struggling with. But I mean, you could say that for a lot of middle of the pack teams in the NHL. So I really think they've got it. They've got everything they, they really need to make a push towards a playoff spot to close out this year. Schedule is definitely going to be a lot more difficult than it has been at certain parts of the season. That's going to be a challenge. I mean, you're going to see Toronto more. That's a team who we've only seen once this year, but they really got the Sabres number that one game. Mm -hmm. And they play that type of game that the Sabres struggle against. So seeing them a few times to close out the year won't be easy. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, the expectation is definitely playoffs. I'd be ecstatic if they made it to the playoffs, but... At the end of the day, I think if they do miss the playoffs this year, it means absolutely nothing for me in terms of yeah. whether this team will win a cup in the future, how good this team will be in the future for how long. I mean, it will be fun, but I think it will mean a lot for the locker room. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to impact the future too much. So I wouldn't really be too upset if they miss it. In fact, I expect them to miss it. Because they honestly only have like a one in five chance of making it as things stand now. So the four and five chance happens, I won't be I can't say I'd be too angry. I I unfortunately expect them to miss the playoffs too. And it I think it's just other teams will, you know, kick it into gear and you got teams like Pittsburgh and Washington, like those older guys, they're just gonna have to run them into the ground and they're probably gonna get bounced in the first round because they have to hold off the Sabres. Yeah. Um Florida, but, too. I mean, Florida Florida's too, yeah. heating up. I mean, they've got so much talent on the team. I mean, Kachuk, five-point game the other night. Yeah, it, You it, got guys like on Florida going off. They're hard to stop. Yeah, I mean, the dam, if the dam opens for Florida, that's really tough for the Sabres. If the Sabres do not make yeah. the playoffs, I'll be disappointed. It's like, oh, man, that, that would have been awesome. I will not be angry. If you are angry yeah. <laughs> with the Sabres that they didn't make the playoffs, I'm sorry, but that's a, that's a you problem. Yeah. I I, that's... I mean I wonder when, when was the last time a team with the lowest cap hit in the league made it to the playoffs? I mean that'd be an interesting thing to look up. That'll be the stat that we first mention 
on our next episode, which I will say we are going to try to do a little bit more consistent with the episodes now that I've mostly moved in and uh, settled and stuff like that just to kind of make up for lost time and just to bring more content. And look, it's going to be a fun race regardless. You know, Sabres, again, I I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, unfortunately, Um, but I still think it's going to be very successful and a very fun end of the season. So I plan on getting there. I mean, I definitely... Yeah, I definitely hope they make it. I mean, don't oh, yeah. get me wrong, but oh, absolutely. if someone put a gun to my head right now and they're like, exactly. will the Sabres make it to the playoffs? I'd probably answer no. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, of course I want the Sabres. It's like the same yeah. thing with like saying, I don't want to trade for Timo Meyer, or not even I don't want to, but like, I don't think they will. And it's just like, whoa, you don't want better players? It's like, no, that's not it. That's not it at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, I and I, no one's really like saying that about the Timo Meyer thing, but if, if someone were to make that argument, you know, sometimes I just bring up, I ask questions, not because I think it just for conversation starters, it's the same thing. Like conversation starter. If someone's harping on you about not trading for Jacob Trickering, there we go. There's a name that we didn't mention, you know, I'm, eh. yeah. Like, I, I mean, just, like no. I, I've heard some stuff like the same, like with the seasons Thompson Darlene are having, which are obviously great that now's the time to win now. I mean, our entire second line, this is like the first year in their lives they could legally buy a beer in the U.S. Like, they're going to have a lot more time with everyone on this team, and a lot of these guys aren't really as good as they will be eventually. So I, I just don't think now now is the time to go all in. I mean, I feel like that argument's still kind of silly. I mean, just what Darlene's 22, Owen Power just turned 20 a few months ago. Entire second line's 21. I mean... Even Tage Thompson, he's not that old either. And even Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck's like 26. less than a year older than Jack Eichel. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's he's young I mean, too. He's, he's on a great contract. I'm, I'm interested. It's going to be a couple of years, obviously, but I'm really interested what Alex Tuck signs on his next contract because it's going to be a bump. And it's like you almost think like, I don't know. Maybe they might overpay. There's still so much time left. That yeah. I, oh, wonder, yeah. I wonder where he'll even be at at that point because you'll have – probably most or hopefully most of the young guys they've recently drafted up on the roster and then maybe tuck gets pushed down has less productive seasons if the series could run more lines like it's going to be interesting if he was getting paid after this season though he'd be making a ton of money he's been absolutely fantastic this year yeah if this was a contractor he'd be He'd be sitting pretty next year. Um, And that is something to, to say about like I am not against also moving good prospects for good players most of the time and like yeah you're not gonna be able to sign everyone like i've said it all before but again you don't know who's gonna pan out and who's who's not you don't know who's gonna need more more marinating in the ahl you don't need you don't know who's gonna need an extra year i don't know overseas or what happens if they send matt savoy back to winnipeg which god i hate they have to make some kind of stipulation where you get a couple players where you can send them to rochester instead of sending them back to either Winnipeg or putting them on an NHL roster. That is not good for the player. That is stupid. That is stupid. That is horrible for the player. Just because the CHL just wants some of these better players in their league for half a season. Who just got sent back? Dylan Gunther or something like that? It's like, oh, congratulations. You you got him back in Seattle now. Yeah, it's like, congratulations. You got him back for three months congrats like the, the team would probably rather send him to the ahl where he's actually getting pushed a little bit harder instead of being like hey we need you to score five points a game go out there and do it son go tear up those 16 year olds it's like Meh. what 
Yeah, I, I, just, I mean, I'd be I'd be stunned though if the CHL, since they already have that agreement in place, would back down on the next one just because having yeah. those guys around, it, they're just. I mean, you look at Logan Stankoven this year. He's a guy that Dallas would maybe like him to be in the AHL right now, but he's just absolutely tearing it up on cam loops. I mean, only Connor Bedard's producing at a higher rate than him right now. Those guys are just your big ticket sellers yeah. down in the CHL. I mean, they're the guys that put up a ton of points. They're the guys that could lead you on a Memorial Cup run. So, I mean, it's it's such a tough thing because i mean i don't, I don't know chl teams have like development as their argument in this case it may just be they want to sell more tickets which i think is probably the case i mean i that's fair too it's like it's like blaming remember when kyle Oposo wasn't playing all that well and obviously going through some health things i'm very glad that's no longer the case and he's all good now but remember when people were like oh my god that contract that he signed blah blah, blah like just crapping on Oposo for it it's like how are you gonna blame him for saying yes to getting the most amount of money like i'm sorry i'm not going to sit there and start blaming these chl teams because they want their their like cornerstones of their lineup and and that get butts in seats in a junior league which it's you just have to assume like unless you have like Connor mcdavid-esque you know players on the team where like erie was selling out essentially every single game like attendance isn't great i can understand that from the chl perspective but again i also think it is not best for the players so i don't know maybe the nhlpa can step in and be like look each team gets one they have to make a decision you get one player a year that gets some kind of extra time or gets like multiple conditioning stints in the ahl i don't really know what the solution is I just know yeah. there's going to be I some mean, frustrated players out there. They're like, look, I'm better than this. And like, yeah, it's fun to go score six points a game, but it's not It's not good for the player. At least that's my thought process. So there's also good things where like they, yeah, get, they get a ton of ice time and all that. But overall, I just don't think it's great. Yeah, I feel like they could just go back to kind of like the Matt Barzell argument because he's someone – who also had to spend two years in the WHL post-draft year. And he walked into the NHL after that season and had like an 80-point year. So it's it's just so hard to, yeah. I guess, kind of separate like did the WHL time or any CHL league time affect this player's development? Did it help it? I mean, there's just so many factors that I, I just don't think it's an argument the NHL will ever win, especially if it's... I mean, obviously guys could come and play in the NHL, but I don't think the NHL could convince the CHL to start sending those guys to the AHL. I, I don't I don't see it either. <laughs> I, and a lot of the times it is a good thing that these players would go back. Like, I don't know. Like, if Matt Savoy went to Rochester, might have not worked out. You know what I mean? Like, it could, it could yeah, have gone. Yeah, it would be a rough year, I'd or, imagine. I mean, he's been good in the WHL, but he's not a guy... Well, I mean, it's so tough because he's got Zach Benson on his line, and he's one of my favorite prospects in a very long time. But, I mean, you just watch Savoy and Benson on the same line, it's like this Benson guy is just so much better. But, I mean, I also feel like Benson's probably going to be one of the better players in the NHL someday. So it's just so hard watching Savoy and 
taking away anything about how he's developing. Just because that Winnipeg team is just so dominant that <laughs> I, I, it's just he's just such an interesting prospect that I definitely feel like it's better getting him out of the WHL. But I don't know. I, it, it's tough because I can make an I can make an argument either way too, and I know I've pretty much firmly planted my like feet in the like anti CHL NHL agreement thing. But for for the most part, it is a good thing that it's like, look, just send this guy back to juniors. Like, it, it probably I hate to say it, it's probably probably prevented some like serious injuries because you put some some like smaller just not physically developed players and you're like yeah go go play in rochester or something like that and they get blown up by some goon it's just like oh man that's that's not good and that that'll yeah you know. i mean it's yeah i mean i think we're seeing it with kind of like those non-premier uh 20 year old guys on the amrix this year i mean with kozak and kisikov i mean those yeah. guys They've had some flashes, but I mean, they're not producing. Like, because I see like a lot of like projected Rochester lineups this summer, and they had like Kozak as like the second line center and like Kisikov. Kozak has like, six all the top points, three goals, and three assists yeah. in 40 games. Like, yeah, the, I... H- the HL is not a 20 year it's not a 20 year old guy's league. So I think, I feel like the thing to fight for would be maybe first round picks. I feel like yeah. if they I can. Agree. Exception to come because I feel like it could do some damage if teams start having like fifth round picks that are 19 years old come on their AHL team and get like four points in like 58 games and like get a, like a severe shoulder injury because they're still 19 years old playing against grown men. Yeah, and so I th- feel like there's definitely a balance there. Exactly, and that's I think my like I think it's bad for the player is the exception, frankly. I think what I'm debating yeah. for is the exception. The rule is, yeah, it's a good thing that guy didn't go to the AHL for like what we said, getting lower minutes, you know, not not fear, but injury risk. In, injury risk. Like I'd be worried about sending my 19 year old out against Zach Ronaldo was playing in the freaking AHL like two years ago. You really want yeah. your 19 year old? Do you want Isaac Rosine to go into a corner with Zach freaking Ronaldo? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. It's a tough man's league down there. It is. Uh, yeah. It's like the, yeah. It's the guys that are battling to, to get in the bottom six. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, again, I can make a debate either way. And frankly, like I said, the exception, not the rule. I, I like what you said, you know, first round picks, you have the option of doing that. I don't know. I just, I'm going to try to work up some kind of fair model for everyone this off season when we're just kind of doing podcasts for the sake of doing podcasts and having fun. That's going to be on the list because that's, yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. I'm interested to see how that goes, but I think that, I mean, I hate to say it. I think the last episode that we did, I don't think we were going to be able to top that. But I think that's pretty much all the topics that we've covered, unless I'm, unless I'm forgetting anything. Luckily, uh, Walt doesn't have his microphone on two toolboxes, the 113 <laughs> stainless steel set. That was, uh, that was kind of a nightmare. Oh, I love that setup. It was, uh, it was, <laughs> it was uh, not great. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, taping your socks around your shin pads with duct tape. It was, it was not good. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I you know, appreciate everyone that's listened. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how loud I can be, frankly, on my microphone because I do have neighbors right on the other side of my wall. Um, and I frankly don't want to... Like an ASMR right now. Yeah, it's very NPR-like, and I'm going to start eating crackers <laughs> so you can and, and taking sips of tea yeah. so everyone can hear what's going on. Um, I really hope it's I'm not future much... future of the podcast right there. future of the <laughs> podcast is like half of it is just ASMR. Exactly. Um, dude, those... Vi- like, I've randomly scrolled onto one the other day, like... It was like someone put like making like a like a face mask like for their skin out of like a bunch of silver. Oh yeah. Or so I was like, where the hell did this come from? They're this crazy. is crazy. That is not part of my like explore or discover or anything like that. No idea how I came onto it. And it was just like bottles yeah. opening and crap pouring. And I was like, this is not. I don't like this at all. <laughs> like, I've seen you, one of like people eating like those like Turkish delight candies and like right <laughs> in the microphone phone and there's they have like two hundred fifty thousand likes and all the comments are like oh yeah please make more of these i'm like where do you even find people like this i don't get it <laughs> i don't get it like look if that's what you're into that's what you're into you're not hurting anyone but i don't understand it i will let you know right now but yeah <laughs> i mean hopefully it doesn't sound like that's how i'm coming off i'm just trying to be you know not super projective in a sense um, I don't know. That was that was a weird way. Of I understand some other ASMR, but like the <laughs> eating ASMR, I just don't. I, I don't like that. hearing people. I don't want to hear food, people so. eat. I want the exact yeah. opposite. If you're eating, I want there to yeah. be silence. It's just yeah. like congratulations, <laughs> you can chew with your mouth open. That's disgusting. Congrats. Like I just, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's just personal preference. What you're, you're into, what you're into. You're not hurting anyone, I guess. But dear God. <laughs> Uh, this episode has taken a, an interesting turn, let's say the least. Um, <laughs> you know what? Since since we're on the topic, let's just start talking about other non-Sabers topics. Our boys over in England who like to kick a ball around are doing pretty well. We have Wolverhampton taking uh, – Wolverhampton's my team. I don't know why, but they just are. Um, they took Liverpool and uh, stole their lunch money, 3 nothing on Saturday. Brentford beat – oh, God, you told Southampton. They beat Southampton. Southampton. Oh. Ralph Kruger's former crowd, Ralph Kruger's former uh, chairman of the club of that team. If you would be surprised, Southampton is the worst team in the Premier League. The Ralph Kruger effect. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, it's funny. Wolverhampton <laughs> plays them this weekend, and I'm hoping for another three nothing whooping. But um, we got that going on. What else? What else can we talk about? That's not safe. I was actually on a. I was actually on a Brentford podcast uh, yesterday too. What? So that was a first for me. This guy. Yeah, it was like a podcast for like American Brentford fans, I guess. And they asked wow. me to come on and brought up some hockey analytics, kind of tried to relay it to soccer, but uh we, we yeah, are now back into the for me. <laughs> we are now back into the season i guess you could say where uh walt just brags about how popular he is <laughs> this the old stick <laughs> is back you couldn't escape it um no that's awesome that's awesome i would i would love to i'm like i'm really actually getting into it and i'm sorry for anyone that's wanting to still listen to saber stuff pretty much that part of the episode's over <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I, I've gotten into soccer, man. I don't, I can't. There's a couple guys on the Wolverhampton team that the second they get touched, they're down and they're rolling on the ground. I'm like, God, I can't, I still can't get there yet. But soccer's fun, man. I mean, the World Cup definitely helped, but soccer's fun. Give it a shot. 
Um, and also, like I said, yeah, at the I mean, it fills the- in that time slot, like Saturday, Sunday morning. So you got oh, nothing going on perfect. really early in the morning. It just fills in that time slot perfectly. Absolutely. I've started like picking out a couple other teams in like different leagues, like Bundesliga. Um, and like I watch Wrexham when I can too, just because that's a cool story. And you can kind of like watch the documentary of it too. But yeah, I got like a Bundesliga team too, which is kind of cool. So like you have different options there. Um, so watch soccer, man, you know, explore, explore different sports and also watch Jesse Pagula. I, I'm telling you, man, she's freaking good. And it's, I'm, I'm a tennis player. Um, I played a lot in high school and stuff like that. So I really like watching it, but she's fun. Like she's a freaking good player. So I just wanted to put that out there again, all my best to the Pagula family and, and everyone that's been affected by, by everything that's happened in Buffalo from the mass shooting to, you know, the constant, you're just getting absolutely dumped on by snow um, to waking up to a freaking earthquake the other day. It's wild. Um, but you know what? Buffalo's resilient. Um, it's part of the reason I moved back here is just the, the people that are here. I've lived in other places and um, you know, this is, this is a place I want to be. And so keep being you Buffalo. I've uh, got a lot of love for you and I'm really excited for the future of the Sabres, future of this podcast, future of the charging Buffalo who uh, hosts the uh, Saber metrics podcast. Almost messed that up there. Um, that's pretty much it. Anything else on your end that uh, you wanted to get out there? I mean, nothing I could think of. I mean, Sabres game right around the corner. Still have to wait a few days, but I mean, they're going to be back in action soon and looking forward to this fun end to the season absolutely well this has been the sabermetrics podcast asmr style (laughs) hosted by the charging (laughs) buffalo we'll catch you on the next